0: Welcome to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner where the banter is as ferocious as the national media against LeBron for missing the playoffs.
1: It's honestly a little disgraceful because you know next year if they come back and they're healthy and LeBron makes it all the way they're going to be singing his praise as the GOAT once again so it's kind of not okay.
0: Dude, it's just absolutely insane that people are having to take that him chasing the, the scoring title or dropping 30 points a game has hampered the team from winning. I mean, I don't know any player in league history who could be this great and this dominant. I mean, 38-6, and six, and they're blaming him for missing the playoffs? I'm pretty sure Steph Curry was in the MVP conversation as the eighth seed last year
1: it's just wild because it can go any which way it doesn't really matter it's the class of like what have you done for me right now but I mean the Lakers season has just been tumultuous it's been rocky at best they have been up and down dealing with things left and right but hey when you have a team of a bunch of 30 plus year olds unfortunately injuries they show up sometimes it's a little different than when you're playing with guys in their prime that's for sure
0: Uh, absolutely or a young ascending team like you know Uh, Memphis is when with guys who haven't had all the accolades everyone's pointing to the fact that like look at all the gold medals look at all the individual honors the MVPs the all-stars it's like okay but outside of LeBron and AD who was the last guy to make an all-star team on this roster like Dwight Carmelo and 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 Westbrook haven't been on the all-star teams in a couple years now guys and Dwight and Carmelo are What, a decade removed from being absolutely relevant in this league?
1: I mean, the media's narrative was for this team to fail. They've been setting it up all season, and now that they're here, they finally get to pull those lines that they've been prepping out of the closet, talk about LeBron and how awful this is for him, how bad it is for the team. But you know what? Not the end of the world. Matt and I were talking about it, this Lakers team they do have some options they can figure it out but let's put them in the past let's 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 put it down on the Lakers we don't need to talk about them anymore because there's some exciting basketball coming up and our takes about basketball they're coming true they're not coming true there's some curses it's been a weird world for me and Matt over here
0: man I mean the Raptors they finally make my old prediction come true they jump out of the play-in they get to the actual playoffs Hopefully they can hang on to that five seed and play, you know, Philadelphia. I'd love to see that in the first round. My bucks, though, man, that take looking real weak right now. I mean, they're sitting some of their star players. They're getting ready for the playoffs. And Dallas come on Dallas you're half game back of Golden State just get it for me come
1: on uh, I also have to shout out Allison who said that the Raptors would 100% be over 42 wins so a girl we love you thank you for that one but the Bucks are coasting man they're chilling you know they, they've been playing without their stars letting them rest because they're all about that playoff run and Dallas well I mean Luka Magic dude anything's possible for that guy I'd love to see them lock up the third seed but can't happen we don't know and on my side of things you know MVP race and B he's been putting up numbers he's been really trying to get you know his name in voters heads but Jokic is that current front runner and I still want Giannis man I still want it for him
0: dude I think Giannis should get it but I'm gonna bring it back to Allie because she definitely knows more than most of the national media in the United States absolutely predicting that the Raptors would finish with 37 36 wins come on guys oh. know your basketball if you're gonna write about it and have a living at it absolutely atrocious, my friend. But yo, man, that Embiid take looking real strong right now. I would say Jokic and Giannis are ahead of him in, in my voting. I I hope that the rest of the media gets him over, but you know what? They're not the smartest sometimes, so anything could happen.
1: It's been a crazy race. Everything's kind of coming down to the wire. It's wild that there's only like two three games left for some of these teams by this time next week we'll be in the middle of the play-in so it's going to be really exciting but let's pump the brakes a little bit on basketball we got to talk about the nhl a little bit right now because there is a guy who is putting up absolutely insane numbers and the league has been pretty fun now matt over here this sad guy you know we're not going to talk about montreal today they're sad but let's talk about conor david because he is an absolute stud in this league
0: Hey, man, I'm not too sad about Montreal. They got Cole Caulfield, Nick Suzuki, this guy Joshua Wad just tearing up the QMJHL. They're going to add <laughs> another elite first-round pick in either Shane Wright or Logan Cooley. They've got defensive prospects coming out the wazoo. I've loved what I've seen some of the new rookies do in Jordan Harris, Justin Barron. He sniped his first goal yesterday. It was beautiful. But, yeah, get getting to the, the cream of the cream in the NHL, Connor McDavid. This guy is absolutely insane at 25 years old so seven seasons in the nhl at this point and only four full potential 82 game schedules because he got hurt in his first season he's had the two shortened covid seasons the guy has five 500 point seasons in the nhl which ranks him 15th all time in terms of 100 point seasons with just some absolute legends already of the sport and if he gets two more man just two more. He'll be third all-time in NHL history, which is wild.
1: And, I mean, me over here in Calgary, a lot of people over here are like, oh, poor guy has to play over in Edmonton. But, you know, Allie over here, not quite an Edmonton local, but just outside of Edmonton, you know, i got to support all of the Canadian teams over here as, like, a not true hockey fan but a, a true canadian hockey fan at the end of the day but yeah the kid has been insane conor mcdavid doing lights out things and it's always good when you can have a 25 year old starting to put his name into the echelons of greatness
0: absolutely man I'm, i think he's gonna go down as one of the best players of all time top five player of all time for sure i think and you know. It's hard to compare, you know, eras like we do in basketball. We always talk about the rules, the the dead puck era, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) If Connor McDavid played back in the 80s, he'd score 300 points. I mean, yes, there was a guy named Gretzky who scored 200 points four times, but McDavid would get 300 points. That's just how dominant he is. Um, The level of play overall is amazing, and goaltending is miles and light years ahead of where it was back then. But, yeah, man, I think that's really it for the NHL. Um, You know, it's getting down to the wire out there. I still think the Eastern Conference has some really great teams in it that are probably going to bring home the Stanley Cup. Uh, But your Calgary Flames, man, they're looking like the hot team in the Western Conference to come out and, and be that Western Conference representative.
1: I've heard rumblings through the city. People are getting excited. They seem to think that something can happen. Me over here is like, okay, let's talk about the playoff start, and I'll, I'll, I'll bring out my Calgary Flames stuff, and I'll get pumped. But hey, man, always excited when, when my team, quote-unquote, is doing well.
0: <laughs> Definitely your team, man. But I think we're good to go over to the hardwood. Do you want to start in college, man? Because we had some wild games this weekend in college basketball.
1: I mean, we were prepping it last week. We were getting excited to see what would happen. Starting in that Final Four, Kansas took down Villanova. I was sad. That was the end of my bracket because, you know, Villanova was the last team alive for me that may have had a chance. But that Duke-UNC game made a lot of fans happy, a lot of fans sad. It was a good matchup, but it just wasn't enough for this
0: Duke team. And I mean, did
1: you call it mad? Did you say UNC was going to take Duke down? I can't remember.
0: Man, I don't know if I said UNC was going to take Duke down. I really wanted to see Duke take the win in Coach K's final uh, final couple games. Um it's kind of sad that he goes out to a bitter rival like that in the Final Four, but still what a great showing with the Duke team that not a lot of people thought was going to be here at the end sure. of the day. Um, man, I feel so bad for UNC, though, because they had a huge monstrous game on Sunday. Then they have to come out and play electric against Kansas, and they are until the injury strike, man. I mean, they lost three of their six-man rotation. That's just brutal.
1: I mean, it was 40-23, to 23, I think, at the half. You know, UNC had really put their place in the game, but things really changed. And, and I mean, this Kansas squad, they were set up from like uh, 2020, I think it was a couple years ago, they were supposed to do it all, and you know, for them to break through to have that comeback victory, I mean, they were down by 16 points at one point. They were losing the fast break battle. They were just losing everything, and they came together at the end and close three point victory to pull it out. You know, pretty happy for Jayhawks.
0: Absolutely, man. I mean, it was it was great for them to be able to get that win. Um, they're a great program, blue bloods of of the sport, and. This is going to set them up for the future. Um, they're dabbling in that, you know, three, four-star prospect development while you add in a five-star every now and again. And I think that's the way college basketball is trending, man. The, the teams of the one-and-dones uh, kind of look to be over because it's just so hard to keep building your team that way. Year after year after year, you got to get the right guys and they got to be ready for it. So I think uh, we're going to see some some major changes in college basketball. So I think it's going to be good for the sport. I mean,
1: we're going to have to talk about it in the future because there's some wild rumors and rumblings through the grapevine. I mean, there's certain teams that don't even want to have to play against certain teams anymore, so could be in for a big shakeup. But again, that's March gone. We're into April. That means that it is almost playoff basketball time. And not the playoff race is almost set at this point, and the cherry on the cake everyone's excited about the lakers being out not even talk about that but we're over here as raptors fans absolutely pumped absolutely jacked that we have secured not a play-in a playoff seed. we're gonna talk about raps later obviously but i can't not open this segment matt without being pumped for our boys
0: dude absolutely insane they already have 46 wins with three games left If you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have been absolutely jacked up. And it is just so great to see. I I feel like we're being slept on. You know, I was watching the segment, um, the J. Will, uh, Keyshawn, and Max show this morning, and J. Will's talking about how the Eastern Conference is the the better conference. And he mentions, you know, your Miamis, your Boston's, your Milwaukees, your Chicago's, and your Cleveland's. Man, sleeping on us, which. You know what? As a Raptors fan, I don't mind it, man. Being the dark horse, having no playoff expectations, it's going to suit us, I think. I,
1: I think that there's a, a real cross in the East where there's a couple of teams that have kind of always been slept on, were always forgotten about, lived under LeBron's shadow, or if you're Cleveland, you lived in LeBron's shadow and are now trying to get out of it, right? That have, like, slowly developed and built up their squads. The Bucks, you know, us and Cleveland now. And then there's these other teams that have done the classic way of building a team and getting back to relevancy when you think about Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a little bit of half and half because, you know, Joel was here through it. When you think about the Nets. You think about Miami and the way that they've kind of retooled their team. This is this really crazy, uncoordinated, unexpected, at any moment a landmine might go off type of place. And that is, in my opinion, the best basketball when it comes to the playoffs. And we are going to be in for an absolute treat and the fact that the raptors get to be a part of it the fact that we are the potential underdog of the east that could go on a run i'm over here just i can't wait for playoffs to start
0: dude i'm too excited about it but we'll we'll talk about the raptors some more in raptors chat i mean we're gonna do a big segment on raptors chat because i mean we got (laughs) um do you want to talk about the play in teams you want to kind of see how it's going to shake out where do you want to go from here, my friend? I mean, I would love to start with the Jazz because the Jazz are the current
1: conversation of the time right now. Everyone online is trying to figure out what is going on with this team. People are ripping on Donovan Mitchell and Rudy because apparently Mitchell does not pass to Rudy. Now there's tons of different ways to look at it and think about it. And I was trying to do my best to actually pay attention and watch some jazz games because as Matt knows I don't really care about the jazz like they're a team that is just not on my no. radar because as we've seen in the past time and time again they're gonna fall short when it matters and I'm of and I have two minds right because on the one hand I think Gobert is kind of getting left out to dry I mean everyone has absolutely. seen the clip everyone has seen the clip of him absolutely backing down Clay Thompson in the paint and I'm sorry seven foot center in the paint on a six foot three guy that's six a free seven. bucket you know what I mean, obviously. The, the way he looks, he looks like I'm defending him in the paint, okay? That's what happens when there's a 7-footer in the paint. But on the one hand, there's that because, I mean, he is shooting 71% from the field, 80% at the rim, Matt. I'm sorry, you have a center who's shooting 80% from the rim on 7.5 attempts a game? Let's, let's bring those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers, in my opinion.
0: Who's Averaging 15-15 and 15 for your team who's the defensive anchor for your team, who's getting paid max money. I mean, I don't know what they got to do out in in Utah, but maybe someone's got to sit Donovan Mitchell down and and let him know, look, man, yeah, you're our superstar. Yeah, you're the the scoring cog. You're the offensive cog. We're going to need you for the rest of your career to play at this level if we have any shot at winning a championship. But please... Please incorporate the second-best player on our team. Because he is, by a wide margin, the second-best player on this team. And could you imagine if, you know, Joel Embiid and James Harden didn't pass to each other? If Kyrie and, and Durant didn't pass to each other? Like, it would be a nightmare. And that's why they're not working as a team. That's why I have no faith in them as a team. Because they're tier 2 superstars at best anyways and for tier 2 superstars to reach the promised land to get there you need to play together you need to be a cohesive unit and that they are not
1: and it's shown right I mean they have 15 or so games this season where they've blown double digit leads they are, they're not coming together as a squad Quinn Snyder has obviously lost that locker room in certain forms and I worry that this team is going the Portland Trailblazers route where Donovan Mitchell is going to end up like Damian Lillard in five years you know where they've done some things they've been close but the team was never able to get over the hump and that's the type of situation I'm seeing for this team and and I don't know what the Jazz are going to have to do but it's crazy that you can have this team that's been so relevant and had such great shooting splits and all of these things and they're just going to fall apart they're never going to get over the hump they're never going to go all the way like that's just the storyline that I'm seeing right now
0: Man, I love the Portland parallel right there because LaMarcus Aldridge being Rudy Gobert, being there before the young star comes in and kind of takes over and then having to leave. I mean, if I'm Gobert, I'm going to be asked to be traded in the offseason. I got another player who won't even pass me the ball on my team and I am clearly our second best player. Like, I need respect. I need... that's Man, either fight it out in the locker room and play as a team on the court or break it up because at this point you guys aren't going anywhere
1: it, it, it makes me want to look back at their playoff runs in recent years and see where their defensive faults are because everyone can say yeah they're they're sitting off rudy in the in the paint and then letting the three-pointer shoot cool but the way their offensive runs if you know that donovan is not going to put the ball in rudy's hands i'm sorry you only have to look at three other players when they do a pick and quote-unquote roll together right so The the Jazz are in a weird place, and I mean, we could probably rip on them for days, but there's there's so many other exciting things happening throughout the league. Like, I don't even know how to think about this team.
0: Well, man, I think you nailed it right on the head that when you've got two players who aren't passing to each other, you know, other teams can pick apart that that offensive scheme. And I think when you play defense a certain way, kind of like the Milwaukee Bucks do, Mike Budenholzer puts a ton of emphasis on collapsing back to the paint. Mm. Even when Giannis is the prime defender, which is a little wild because Giannis is the type of guy who can get those chase down blocks. It's why Luka was able to beat them, man. He saw that deficiency in their defensive scheme and would attack, would get the help coming, and then would kick out to the wide open three-point shooters that they have. And Dallas has really figured out this league. They have an absolute generational superstar in Luka Doncic, and the three-point shooting to go around him to hit at the high rate clip that they need. It's like a lighter version of that Golden State Warriors team, and Spencer Dinwiddie is playing that Clay Thompson role to a T right now. I mean, they would be the scariest young team in the in the West if it weren't for your Memphis Grizzlies and doing it without Ja Morant. Wild.
1: They're my two favorite teams to talk about right
0: now, like just, just like Besides this, the
1: rap well obviously, like I'm always going to be uh, talking about the rap segment, but like if you talk about just teams that are doing exciting things that are coming together for very different reasons and and you think about the last couple of years, right like we watched the Grizzlies you know unfortunately weren't enough against the jazz last year. we've seen Luca and his struggles against the Clippers. But when I think about those matchups and going into this year, I swing hard for these young squads. I'm excited for these young squads. What Luka and the Mavs are doing are insane. And also, can I just say, it's kind of hilarious that Mark Cuban isn't talking about how we need to interconnect the the, the conferences so that we get make sure that we get the best 16 teams in the league anymore, because I'm sorry, the West ain't that team anymore, ain't that side anymore, but the Mavs are exciting Luca has figured it out Dinwiddie's been great for them their center rotations right like getting rid of Kristaps Christop, because he wasn't working bringing in they brought in what Bertans you know they, yep. they still have With Powell um, Powell they still have I mean Finney Smith plays really great for them as a, as a wing player they're you know, knocking and, down the threes man. absolutely so they have a really exciting team and I look forward to seeing the Mavericks out of the first round this year because it needs to happen Matt I want to see more Luca.
0: Dude, I think they're 100% getting out of the first round this year. People are talking about them in the Western Conference Finals through that Luka magic. Some people even think that they're a great bet to put into the finals. Um, I wouldn't go that far because those Phoenix Suns Sunsmen, they're just head and shoulders above the Western Conference right now. Um, when you have a team with this kind of greatness on it and none of them have reached the promised land yet, I mean... CP3 is how many years into this league right now? And he is dying for a championship. So they've got their galvanizing factor. For me, the smart money's on on Phoenix coming out of the West.
1: Absolutely. And Matt, Matt remembers a time with the Raps when we were in our championship run and afterwards where we were never worried about the score because come the fourth quarter, we'd figured it out. And the Phoenix Suns absolutely showed that last night against the Clippers. The Clippers, Matt were this close to blowing a 39-point lead to the Suns. Now, the Phoenix Suns did not have Devin Booker, CP3, Ayton, Crowder, okay? They were missing their core, all right? They put up nine points in the second quarter, but they put up 48 points in the fourth. Ish Wainwright, 20 points, like this team has figured it out Monty has these boys rolling it's in the same way that Ime has the defensive you know conversation of the Celtics so strong as it is this Suns squad has good role players it knows what it's doing and there's a reason why they have so many wins and if you're betting against them I mean I'm not going to say you're wrong because again there is some untested points for these boys but you're you're not making a good bet my friend not at all
0: Absolutely, and and the last thing that I really want to say about the, the Suns here is that Dario Saric losing him last year in the finals was a big loss because they had Absolutely. only Frank Kaminsky to kind of pick up the slack. Right now, behind him, they've got JaVale McGee and a personal favorite of mine, Bismack, Biyombo, the LeBron-blocking absolute goaded Raptor in that playoff run, man. He was the reason we took them to seven games uh, in that Eastern Conference come, final of the year that we played them.
1: Come on, man. You don't remember the, the Kendra sign? Come on. Sit down.
0: Be humble. Sit down. It, like, oh, man. Exactly. And so I think that they're even scarier because they've got the center depth to contend with Giannis if they do match up in the finals again or you know whatever kind of big man you want to throw in there. And they've got Booker, who is probably the best scorer in the league right now, I would think. Like, just, he can get a bucket from anywhere. He's efficient. The reason he's probably not leading the league in scoring, because he doesn't have to for them to be this dominant. And CP3, by far and away, I think is the best floor general. I mean, you, you could argue better point guards, you know, scorers, whatever. Floor general, give me CP3. And then Kyle Lowry, those are my top two.
1: Absolutely. The Suns are just, they kind of are a perfect storm right now. And until someone challenges them in the playoffs, we can't really question them, right? So they're, they're almost not a conversation topic until we get into the playoffs. That's the beauty of it. But wh- where else do you want to go in the West? Do you want to keep talking playoffs? you want to talk scoring title? Like, what's on your mind?
0: Man, I wouldn't mind talking about the scoring title because Joel Embiid dropped 45 points the other night and finally <laughs> passed LeBron in the race. Now, is LeBron going to come back out and play these final couple games so, one, he's eligible, and two, he can pass Joel Embiid? I don't think it would be the worst thing for him. People would probably pan him in the media and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, when you're looking back at his legacy, that's going to be a feather in his cap for the GOAT debate because people always argue, oh, Michael Jordan and all of his scoring titles. Okay, but I did it in age at age 36 in season 18. So I could have been doing it the whole time. I was just playing winning basketball the whole time. And That'd be the argument.
1: And that's the funny conversation, right? Because like I think if LeBron's healthy, he's going to play. Because remember, in 20 years when we're talking about legacy, nobody remembers how pissed the average fan was that LeBron didn't win his team this season but he got his scoring title. No. People are going to be like, man, this guy was 36-37 and he put up the most points in the league against a dominant Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Come on.
0: Dude, and I want to even get past the age thing. It's year 18. It's the miles in the NBA that are on his body. Kobe, B, and Bryant with 17 and a half points a game was the top of the NBA in terms of 18 plus seasons in the NBA. Yeah, Carmelo Anthony this season at 13 and a half is in the top five. Yeah. And LeBron is averaging 30 points a game and is still clearly one of the 10 best players in the sport. To have those kind of expectations and to be achieving this level of greatness at year 18 is just, it's unbelievable. It's phenomenal. And, come on guys. Just stop it. Just stop it.
1: With, with Adam Silver's recent comments about how he doesn't believe stars are playing enough games in the season, media stop it. It'd be pretty exciting for LeBron James to come out play the last two games in the season, put up 50 a game, because he can, and have the race the histor. let's not forget how historic this scoring race is it is like the closest race in nba history there's three guys that are fighting for it and i don't think Giannis cares as much but like hey Giannis, if you want to be in the mvp race a little bit more and bead's obviously showing that getting himself to the top of the scoring right he's race, going for it the conversation is happening people are thinking about him right with with Bill Simmons' recent comments about how he regrets that he voted Anthony Davis for top seventy five in the year, think think how how just a few months ago where the consideration was. It matters to get your name on people's minds and thinking. So why not why not have LeBron come out? Yes, the people are going to talk bad. People are going to say this. Giannis, why don't you come out and try to put up fifty to try to make point of the race? We're in this crazy exciting race for a scoring title. I want to see all three of them compete for it.
0: Man, I just. I think Giannis is just so focused on the playoffs at this moment, man. He doesn't care where, they, where they're at. He knows that no matter what seed they come into the tournament in, that he's got it inside of him. He's hitting those step-back threes now. He's hitting the middies. You know, he has a better mid uh, mid-range shooting percentage than LeBron James this season. He's yeah. hitting like 43% of his mid-range shots. And that's not to mention how easily he can get to the basket. I think the playoffs are going to just prove once again who the best player in the NBA is, and that's my boy Yanni, man. Um, If you want to talk about the best rookie, man, we both know who it is, but sadly it's probably going to go to you know Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham. And I mean, the conversation is
1: is the bigs of the time, right? So that's why Mobley is on everyone's lips, and Cade is Cade, and he's been playing really good. We cannot deny the fact that he has had a fantastic close to the season, and there's, there's so many ways to look at the Rookie of the Year conversation. You know, I, I have, I've heard some people talking about Cade does deserve it because you can't fault him for being on a bad team. Mm. While I agree with you to some degree, I disagree in another because Jalen Green, who's having a fantastic final week to the season, you know, scoring 30-plus points in five consecutive games, got to shout out that man because we knew Jalen Green was a bucket, but he was on a struggling team. And they are trash. I'm sorry. The Rockets, the Pistons, they're not good teams. They're not relevant right now. So yes, in any normal year where you have a bunch of guys on bad teams competing to show who's going to be the best down the line, you look at Kate and you say, yeah, you're probably potentially the best player in this draft. But the real conversation has to be Mobley and Scotty. It has to be two guys that have brought their teams that were last year irrelevant, but in the modern media's eyes because you know Cavs without LeBron Raptors as Raptors and being competitive if Mobley doesn't get injured I think the Cavs are still closer in the race than they are right now and Scotty has done some crazy things for the relevancy of this team so I think the conversation has to be between those two guys
0: I would totally totally agree with you that Evan Mobley would have the Cleveland Cavaliers closer to the playoffs and unseating the Chicago Bulls and closer to us which would make me a little bit nervous (laughs) we wouldn't be locked into the playoffs like we are now but the other hand of you know Cade Cunningham just putting up those points on a bad team is his usage rate and the place they run for him and and everything is kind of going through him Scotty's got we talked about this he's got players above him he's got to figure out his role the other night would he have like 17 and 14 rebounds like He knows what he needs to do to be effective, and he's known it since day one. I mean, that's something that's crazy about our roster. We were talking about it beforehand. You know, if you'd given us a full season already with this team, and we were in year two, I honestly think that we'd be one of the best teams in the NBA just because of the continuity the fact that Precious had to learn his role. At the beginning of the season, he was taking it coast-to-coast too often and missing layups or rushing three-point shots. Chris Boucher was just hanging out around the three-point line because he thought that was his role. But the two of them together now have oh, figured this out and are these monstrous duos of rebounding, role-playing, three-points, pick-and-rolls. They're just they're doing what they need to do to stay on the floor. And that's the scary part because... You could talk about, oh, earlier in the season, Cleveland was this and and Chicago was number one for X amount of time. It matters where you finish and how you finish. If you finish strong, that's what people want for the playoffs. It's why some people are kind of down on the Boston Celtics without Time Lord, without Robert Williams, because are they going to be able to keep that defense in the playoffs without him?
1: And and this is also the conversation. I love that you bring the Celtics because I'm over here doing the – we look like we could be the Celtics in five years. You know, the team that has young stars that went to an Eastern Conference final with these young stars were trying to claw their way back, right? And so I love that comparison, but also the idea of injuries and how one little thing can help us. I think about how OG has been injured and how that has affected us. I think we have a 3-0 week. I think we beat the Miami Heat with another lockdown defender and OG. So like when you when you go back to the rookie of the year conversation when you think about the versatility of scotty and you think about the defensive monstrosity that Mobley is they're such different players they're such different guys and in any other year they're both runaway rookie of the year candidates by far right and what it's going to come down to is the individual people who get the votes are going to decide what is more relevant to me looking at a center coming in and being a defensive monster having to figure out the nuances of this position that is kind of dying but also is evolving where everyone has to become a center in their own way is so important and then the other side you have the versatile magic johnson-esque scotty barnes who can do everything that can fit into everything like it's such a beautiful conversation back and forth and it's why it's going to be so hard to separate the two at the end of the day
0: I love that comparison because he's played every single position on our roster. The guy can be a starting point guard in this league, and he can also jump center. It is just insane, and I think that's, again, where you got to give him the edge. He's more versatile. Yes, Evan Mobley is the best defensive center that we've seen in the NBA since Tim Duncan— And he's playing a dying position, like you mentioned, that's evolved into you have to be a a passer. You have to be a scorer. You can't just be a rebounder, defensive anchor. And he can do all that at at the center position, but he does it at the one position. Scotty can play anywhere in your lineup, and he can do what you need to win you a game. And that's where, for me, it's got to go to Scotty. But, I mean, again, we've talked about it. We're, We're Raptors fans. We're biased, but... Come on, national media. The fact that he's third in voting odds? Just get out of here. Cade Cunningham should not be near it. I'm sorry. Cade's had a fantastic season. He should not be near these two players.
1: And the biggest thing for me that gives Scotty the edge, and it's hard because I have the knowledge of the Raptors' history where I don't exactly have the knowledge of the Cavs' past. Now, I do have some knowledge of the Cavs' past. But for me, it's the fact that the Raps have had certain issues over the past few seasons and Scotty has come in and been like, what's the issue of the team? What does this team need right now? Oh, we need more boards? We need more shot attempts? Because I'm pretty sure if you look at the statistics, if you took every single game this season, the Raptors have taken more shots than almost every other opponent in the NBA. It's because of our hustle. It's because of the little things. And Scotty is the driving force. He's that young energy. He just does everything, and it's so much fun. The fact that we're talking about potentially the next Magic, the next Tim as type of players, of what they're coming
0: in and doing for their team,
1: what is the NBA these days, Matt?
0: And he's infectious, man. He is infected our locker room with this positive worker hustle mentality that... You know, Scott that um, Freddie brings to the table that now Siakam is bringing to the table, which you know we've lamented the fact that in years past that he kind of doesn't have that that hustle mentality because he had it so early on in his career, but when he became a star he kind of took his foot off the gas, and now he's brought it back, and that's what makes us so scary because I honestly would put Siakam up against most of the top stars in the East, and maybe he doesn't rank number one. But Freddie's going to rank ahead of a lot of guys number twos, and OG, Gary Trent, and Scotty are going to rank way ahead of three, four, and five on most teams. And that's what it comes down to, the five players on the court at the end of the game. And I think we've got one of the best starting fives in the NBA.
1: We really have something special brewing in Toronto, and every guy can step up and prove night in, night out that things matter. And you think about the way that Precious and Boucher have kind of turned their season or seasons around and I don't want to say that it's the infectiousness of Scotty and Scotty's willingness to kind of do anything on the night but you know everything in a locker room affects each other so it's going to be really interesting to see where we can go Matt I want to roll back to Raptors chat after we talk about the play and if you're down let's get the plan out of the way so we can talk about our boys because it is Thursday and by next Thursday, we're going to be halfway through the plan. The plan is going to take place from the 12th to the 15th. There's a couple games left, so let's talk about the four teams. Because at this point, the Nuggets aren't going to fall in. So there's four teams on each side that are going to matter. So Matt, West Coast, East Coast,
0: where you want to go? Um, let's let's go to the West Coast, man. We've been talking
1: about the East Coast. Totally. Okay, so the way that it's looking up right now looks to be pretty consistent it looks like we're gonna get T-Wolves Clippers at the top and Pelicans Spurs so let's talk about that Pelican Spurs matchup first of all because I know Matt is hyped that the Pels have made it and with DeJounte Murray talking about how he's got some potential injuries going on the guy's been sick he's been losing weight it's been all over Twitter this Pelican's team man it might do it for you
0: uh, buddy the fact that they're even here at the moment when about halfway through the season, maybe even two-thirds of the way through the season, they were almost dead in the water in this Western Conference, just goes to show you how well they've been playing towards the end of the season. I think that they've really got it um, you know, locked up against the Spurs to at least advance into the next play-in game. It's going to be against who they play. For me, I mean, if they end up playing Minnesota, I would... Be hard pressed to pick them over Minnesota, absolutely. but against the Clippers, man, I think they could have a real shot at it. I mean, Ty Tyro or Ty Lue deserves his love right now because he's absolutely one of the coaches of the year. He's been phenomenal, but man, those boys in New Orleans could have a shot out. Man, who do you think is going to make it out of the two out of the four of them?
1: I mean, for me, I think the Clippers are the toss-up team. Paul George has the potential to be the superstar of the play-in and take his team all the way and get them through. But for me, I think I'm with you, man. I want the T-Wolves into the playoffs. They've had such a good season. I think it would be a shame for them to miss the playoffs and get into a full seven-game series. And the Pelicans, man, CJ has been such a good pickup for them. They are hungry. And if you're going to try to convince Zion to stay, you need to win a play-in series, two play-in games, and then be quote-unquote competitive in a five-game series against, obviously, you know, the Suns. But it'll probably be a 5 man,
0: games." Man, he's, he's getting close to playing. How crazy would it be if they were able to win play-in games and have him come back for the playoffs? Um, I know that they're, like, kind of saying that it's probably not going to happen, that it's dead in the water, but it would be wild, man. It'd be wild to see because Zion and Brandon Ingram could potentially make some noise.
1: Absolutely. And the only thing that would shake this up is if the T-Wolves win out and the Nuggets absolutely falter and then the Nuggets are in and then, I'm sorry, nobody's beating the Nuggets. They'll be the seventh seed guaranteed no matter what. But I think the West is pretty consistent. You know, nobody really believes in the Spurs. And it's really whether the Clippers can find a way through the Pelicans or the T-Wolves, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be a good, good battle out in the West. Honestly, though, I mean, I'm probably taking, you know, Minnesota and, and... – the clippers but how sweet would it be for me to get my new orleans pelicans in i would i'd love it man i think we got to go out to the east where i think it's a little bit more obvious for most people who's gonna make it i i love what atlanta and charlotte are doing man but i don't know if they've got it
1: i mean the hope is that Trey young can somehow pull this team through and the hawks have had such a wild season Thankfully, they haven't fallen as much as the Knicks have because you know they're kind of the two teams in the East that have really fallen down the table this year. But the Hornets, they they didn't really figure out their center rotation issues, and I mean Lamelo's good, but they're still too young. So we're gonna throw them down. And when you have when you have Kevin Durant and this Nets team, unless their defense absolutely doesn't show up and Trey Young is able to go off, or the Cavs can somehow go off, Nets are gonna go through and Cavs. They're just they're the easy picks, you know.
0: Well, for me, I think that's what it's going to come down to is that Brooklyn's going to avoid having to play the second play-in game. They're going to be able to beat Cleveland because Cleveland doesn't have that true bucket-getter like Atlanta does in terms of Trey Young. I think Trey Young is going to be able to hold off Charlotte, and then they're going to be in that that second play-in game. And if they play Brooklyn, I mean, we just watched it, what, like last week, this previous week, where Kevin Durant dropped 56 and yet Atlanta still beat them. So that's got to be scary for Brooklyn. That's got to be a big motivator for them to beat Cleveland this yeah. week. Um, and I think, I think they will at this point. But how sad would it be for Cleveland to get knocked out of the play-in with having such a phenomenal season? And really, it's because they lost Evan Mobley. If they had Evan Mobley, I'd pick them over Brooklyn in a heartbeat. But without Evan Mobley, it starts to get a little dicey for me.
1: I mean, the crazy thing is that with Evan Mobley, we're probably talking about Bulls-Nets. We're talking about the Bulls completely missing the the playoffs at this point, right? With the way that they faltered. Or, yeah, even... We're not talking about that because that didn't happen. But, yeah, I mean, it's crazy (laughs) to think the Nets could fall while also being the scariest team in the play-in. Like, it's going to be really interesting. The East is going to be a toss-up, but, yeah, I'm Cavs-Nets. Obviously, wow, look at this. We're taking the 7-8 seeds out of the play-in for both sides. Whoa, crazy.
0: Oh, man, I, I think... In the East, it's definitely tighter. But I, in the Western Conference, you look at New Orleans; they're five games back of the Clippers, and they're almost ten games back of Minnesota. I feel bad for those teams that they have to even play them. Like they should just get automatic berths when they're when you're five games up. You should not have to play the team below you for the right to get into the playoffs. I think they need to work that into the playoff play-in jargon because uh, it's kind of it's kind of ridiculous.
1: I mean, the plan is definitely here to stay at this point in time. Like, you know, everyone loves it. Not everyone, but like a lot of people love it. Adam Silver loves it. You know, the EB execs love it. But yeah, there might have to be some evolution in the next little while. But I think that's it, man. I think we can close out here. We've already probably spent at least 15 minutes talking about the raps in different ways. But let's fully embrace it because we had an epic week. We're 46-33. and 33. The boys are shining. And playoffs are locked in, Matt. Locked in.
0: The fact that we finally beat a bad team in the Orlando Magic Two of our final three games are against the Knicks and the Rockets I think we've got the five seed almost on lock, which I would love if we could play the Philadelphia 76ers. I've talked about it before. I do not fear the 76ers. Um, James Harden in the playoffs is a choke artist. I think the only thing that would eat us alive in the playoffs against the 76ers is the refs. It would be a parade to the free throw line for the 76ers. I I saw a ridiculous stat the other day that was talking about Joel Embiid and, and James Harden not being able to hit a field goal but we're just paraded to the line and we're like 70 of 71 or 72 from the free throw line and their opponents only had like 30 attempts from the free throw line like as a team and it's just the two of them it's kind of atrocious that the NBA allows this to happen but hey man i they might make those rules a little bit tighter in the NBA cuz you know they're they're in effect now in the playoffs so hopefully but i doubt it
1: Anything is possible, and it's the Raptors, so we're just always ready to fight against all kinds of adverse adversaries and adversity and everything. But let's talk about this epic week. You know, Kyle Lowry's homecoming, people were super excited. It was really, it was a really big, big emotional day. And I mean, there was no OG, so we probably would have won. So, you know, Kyle, you're welcome. We gave you a free gift. You know, I don't know how Max Strauss hit seven for nine on his three pointers. You know, Old Depot was six for nine as well. They Do were it just, again yeah exactly knock those shots down again please but you know that was our one tough L when you think about the magic you know unfortunately we had to play our starters more than we wanted to but Freddie went off Scotty had a good game and then against the Hawks this week dude Siakam and Scotty show double doubles for both of them six offensive boards for Scotty like just the icing to our season to lock it up.
0: The fact that it was 103, 103 towards the end of the game and the raps are like, No, 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 actually we have another gear. We were just Let's playing go. around with you. I mean, we played Malachi Flynn, Delano Banton in those in this game. They got some actual minutes during real time as opposed to just garbage time like they normally get. <laughs> which I I loved. You know, Nick Nurse is kind of playing around just before the playoffs, seeing if anybody is ready to kind of get inserted if anything happens. Um, but man, I feel like we are the biggest dark horse in the NBA Eastern Conference and maybe in the NBA totally. Everyone is sleeping on us. The, the American media does not talk about the Toronto Raptors at all, and they should be, man, because we have an all-NBA caliber player in Siakam, another potential one, definitely an all-star in Fred Van Vliet, and what could be you know, one of the 10 best players of the next decade in Scotty Barnes. I was listening to J.J. Redick talk about how he might develop into a nice two or three option on a championship team and I'm like, J.J., throw on some more Raptors games, man, because this guy is going to be a number one. He might not be the ultimate scorer, he might not ever average 30 points a game, but the man is going to average like 25, 10, and 10. I, I would put money on it today that Scotty's going to have a season like that in the near future in the NBA.
1: I mean, when I think about you know, him and Cade's trajectory, right? Like, you switch their positions around, you know, if we had gotten our fade for Cade and Detroit had have gotten Scotty, I think within a year or two, Scotty could be putting those numbers up. You know what I mean? Like, he has yep. the prowess, he has the drive, he has, like, the young gusto, and he knows now. I think that the other the other thing that makes me say maybe he couldn't do that is that I think that he's the exact person to thrive in Raptors basketball to thrive with a nation behind him to thrive in an organization that knows what they're looking for and he is that perfect versatile little bit of everything can do it all guy and he and he knows it he knows it so hard and it's so beautiful to watch for a rookie
0: man he and Kyle had a little bit of a moment at the end of the Miami game and a reporter asked Kyle about it and Kyle said that he was a perfect fit for our organization. You know, he's he's about winning and about team play above all else. And that fits into our culture because eventually one day we're going to give him the keys to the car and he's ready to drive it and uplift everybody else around him. And if you think about our under 25 core with him, Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, like, we could be scary for the next decade plus and we wouldn't even have to hit on any of our real draft picks it's, it's wild to think because Masai's normally a pretty good magician in the 20-30 to 30 range
1: and let's also not forget that we don't have a first round draft pick this season because we moved back because we knew that it wouldn't matter because our team has the right pieces that we want right now and we need to develop them and also let's revisit the Thad Young trade Matt Let's just revisit it real quick because the guy has been fantastic. He has figured out a role. It out. He has become the three-headed role monster with Chris, with Precious. The three of them know, hey, the five guys at our starting squad all do these certain things. And at any one point in time, one of them needs to come out and rest, or two of them. And the three, these three guys know exactly what they need to do to come in and be that cog to fit in those missing pieces of our offense, of our defense. And we kind of have a bench, Matt. We kind of actually do have a bench. Now, we still need to rely on 45 minutes, probably, a game from our starting five, which is terrifying because if one of them goes down, we're in trouble.
0: From our but guards, scary. specifically. Yes. From our guards, specifically, is what we need. But at the end of the day, because Scotty can slide into a point guard kind of role, I think we've got to be one of the most annoying teams to play in the NBA because we're all 6'8". All six nine, and we're long. We're lanky. We play defense and we hustle. It's it's beautiful. And Thad Young, you're right, has figured out his role, defense and three point corner shooting. Out of nowhere, the guy has been absolutely knocked down. And Precious and Boucher, we've mentioned them earlier, have figured that out as well. The fact that you know Malachi and and Delano are just kind of auxiliary pieces on our bench at the moment. It's just kind of music to my ears. The fact that we don't need them to step up and they have the potential to step up, I love it.
1: And let's also not forget that like Siakam has the confidence to be a ball handler, to get the rebound and push on the fast break. Things that we know Scotty can do. Things that we know Fred can do. Things that even Gary has proven that he's can doing, right? Or but- OG. absolutely but like I was always worried for a time with Siakam that when you get the ball and you go on a fast break he'd be looking for the outlet and if the outlet's not there he's going to rush through at something but the intelligence through the confidence in his game coming back is really shining through and at any point in time we have somebody on the court who I could confidently say put the ball in his hands and make something happen and that's with any one of our starting five sitting and that's pretty insane for a starting five
0: yeah man, I I could not be happier about this team. Um, It's going to be absolutely unreal to watch in the playoffs. I can't wait to see it unfold. You want to do some Mystic Predictions, some hot takes, my friend?
1: Yeah, definitely down. I think we've made it. You know, We could look ahead of Raps Chat. There's three games, but I don't think it matters, so let's talk about predictions. Let's talk about takes. Me, I mentioned it earlier slightly. I was talking about this team because they have faltered, but I just don't want to see it, man. I'm sorry to Norman Powell, but the Clippers, they're going to fall short. They're not going to make it through the play-in, and who knows? Maybe this time next week, they could be in that final game, and I could be begging them not to win.
0: Oh, poor Norm, man. But, man, I got to go with the easier playoff race in the the Eastern Conference, that play-in. Brooklyn and and Cleveland are definitely going to make the playoffs for me. I'm sorry, Atlanta. I know you were in the Eastern Conference finals last year, but maybe next year.
1: And... I can't believe it, man. We are so close. Playoff basketball is around the corner. The best time of the year. We went through March Madness, but we're about to get some April, May, and maybe even June Madness coming up because the best
0: playoffs, I think, are on the horizon. Absolutely, my friend. Ah, oh, I think you're good to wrap us up. Well,
1: perfect. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. and Check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes
0: and blog posts.